This is part four of our 40 days of hearing from God. And over these last several weeks, we've covered things, you know, that had to deal with practical ways that, that we can be aligned to hear from God, ways that God does speak to us, whether it's through his spirit on the inside, through his word, uh, through the, uh, the gifts and workings of the Holy Spirit. Well, in light of this being communion Sunday, we're going to look now specifically at the topic of communion and how that relates to our hearing God. Uh, and, and so when I say the topic of communion, I'm not talking about the, uh, the, the custom that we have of taking the bread and, and drinking the juice, you, you know, the, the cup. Um, that is a representation of a much bigger picture thing that God would love to see going on in our spiritual lives day in and day out, week in and week out month, year, so forth, moving forward. This idea of living in communion with the Lord. So let, let's begin looking at and acknowledging Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood, breaking his body, rising from the dead. Because of his work on the cross, we are reconciled to God the Father, and we can enjoy the peace of communion with him. Right, we're moving into Christmas season, and, and you know, one of the things that, that is heralded, you know, peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. Peace on earth. We have peace with God. Jesus has satisfied the payment for our sin and made peace between every human being and God the Father. That's something that he uh, has us personally decide whether or not we will receive and walk in that gift. But when we say yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, God's Spirit comes to live on the inside of us and we become brand new. You know, I was thinking about this. Sometimes in culture, when a word is used over and over again, it can, it can lose its meaning to the masses. So when you talk about somebody being a Christian, you know, somebody could maybe think, well, I'm raised Christian, you know, like with a Christian belief system around me, you know, and, and you know, as a response to that, some have changed the, the lingo, the terminology to, well, I'm a Christ follower, you know, and that's good. You know, Christian is good. Uh, Christ follower is good. Disciple of Christ is good. But how many know the word of God says you must be born again? You know, so when we look at Christianity, it is, you know, we, we say this a lot, right? It's not religion. It's not an external belief system. It is a relationship with God that is, that is begun when we say, Jesus Christ, be Lord and Savior of my life. I do believe you are who you said you are. I, I, I repent of my sin. Come live in my heart. And God's spirit comes on the inside and abides in there, sets up residency in us. And the word of God tells us, 2 Corinthians 517, we become a brand new creation. So yes, we're Christ followers. Yes, we're Christians. Yes, we're disciples. Yes, we're, we're uh, attenders or members at the Church of Grace and Peace. But we are born again, children of the living God. We belong to him. He lives on the inside of us. And because of that, we have communion with God. That's the context that we want to look at here today. Now, communion with God, you know, interesting, when we look at some of the most basic needs that we have as human beings, 
Every one of us has a very deep need for uh, communion uh, with God. We were created for that very reason, to know him and to live in relationship with him. We're commanded in the word to love and obey God to love and obey, not because he's a tyrannical dictator, you know, that's just insisting this, but because he is the creator and he has create us, created us to be lovers. And how many would acknowledge with me, love uh, needs to be a mutual thing. You know, it's a one toward another type of thing. It's not one directional. That means there's speaking and there's listening. There's giving and there's receiving. It's, it's this mutual thing. And in this communion with our creator, you know, what it's purchased for us, what, what communion with him has done for us, oh my goodness. You know, how about genuine security? I mean, especially, can we say amen in 2020 with with a a Tuesday election in front of us? How many are glad that your security is not in what, what leaders and mankind around us is doing, but we can have genuine security in God? That's the communion that, that we walk in, that he's purchased for us. And then how about this, you know, genuine, genuine relationship. There's an intimacy of being a child of God. You know, I I don't know background scenario for us in this room. You know, somebody who's been an orphan uh, that, that has not known that firsthand parental love. Maybe there's been a, a home scenario where, where that wasn't there the way it could have been or, or the way it should have been. God gives us the perfect love of a father, the perfect father's love. Whether we're, we're this big or we're, we're all grown up, we, we have this intimacy of being a child of God. And then there's the transforming power that comes through fellowship with him. Right? That's why we, we have to go back to, it's not religion. It's not, okay, I have found out all the facts about this, and now I know what my faith believes. Instead, it's, no, I have this relationship with him. And as we walk with him, his transforming power changes us to where we look more and more like him. And all, all the things that we see when we, when we kind of look at you know, the totality of what we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we see as we walk in fellowship with him, less and less of the bad and the ugly, and more and more of the good that's him and, and, and the, the, the new creation that we are in Christ Jesus. We get born again, and then we live the rest of our lives working out that salvation that's been done because we've been made brand new on the inside. How does that get worked out in our lives? How is it that some just just walk from faith to faith and more and more maturity, looking more like Jesus? You know, is it that that person is just wired more to follow God than, than another person? Or is it that they've learned to walk in regular communion with him? Because that regular fellowship transforms the way we live. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? How many have had, maybe it's even just in those glimpses in, in times of worship where we're in his presence. Yeah, I can remember when, you know, I was, it was the summer of my sophomore year in college, 19 years old, when I, when I gave my heart to the Lord, when I surrendered my life to him. And I want to say it was like September. I had gone with my parents to uh, a believers meeting. I had been raised in a denominational background and it was very, um, very dry and it was not, you, you didn't enter in, you spectated, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody. It's just how it was, you know, and here I am now with a couple of thousand other believers that were doing like we were doing just a few minutes ago, worshiping God. And you know, the Bible tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. 
you know, and as I was worshiping and as we were, you know, just, just enjoying this worship, you, you just, the glory of God fell in that room. And all I could do was weep. Because I, I, I had a, a touch from God, a, a level of fellowship with him that I hadn't experienced up to that point that I, I left that meeting different. I can think of another time uh, as a new youth leader. I got broken into youth ministry uh, at, at a, um, a conference, an overnight away event, you know. So like, you know, the, the students were like wired and bouncing off the walls and there was all these late night activity. It was just running crazy. But at the end of this event, you know, they, they had this call and, and, and how many know, you know, the, the song, the, the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And, and I got to that altar and I, I laid my heart bare and God was working in hearts in that room and that was another spot where I, I don't think there were any more tears and they were tears of awe of God, uh, of the incredible awesomeness of how holy he was and, and just a genuine abandon of everything on the inside all over to him. I left that moment transformed. Uh, so I'm sharing glimpses and you have your testimonies uh, as well, whether it's at your kitchen table or whether it's been in a, you know, a, a service or in a mission setting or, or whatever it's been, uh, just communion with the Lord. As we walk in communion with him, man, it transforms us. And Lord, the Lord doesn't want it to be event to event, happening to happening, but he does want it to be something that's a part of our lifestyle. So, so let's talk about this uh, now in light of when we receive Christ as Lord, we now have union with God. Union with God. Let's talk about the difference between union and communion. This is kind of more echoing on, on, on what I just, just got done talking about. So John 15, 17, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? And, and he goes on through, you know, through this chapter talking about how important it is that we abide in the vine, that we stay vitally connected to Jesus. We have union with God because of the lordship of Christ. When, like, I, like I said, the spirit comes to live on the inside. We're now one with him. Jesus makes it clear that his people are to have their identity and their life in him alone. Everything else gets added on to that truth, you know, it's, but it's, it's in him alone. We're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. By the Spirit, we're born again, secure. Again, that word, secure in the risen Lord, confident and secure in the love of God. Because our union with him is not based on our ability to keep commandments, are you glad it's not based on our ability to keep all the commandments, right? We don't have to live perfectly. That's not what brought us to salvation. As a matter of fact, the law showed us, one of the key things about the law was to show us we can't keep the law. We can't save ourselves. That's why, we, you know, we need a savior. Uh, so we're secure in God's love because he loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies. That doesn't say we shouldn't obey, and, and we're going to look at that, you, you know, here moving forward. But, hey, listen, it's a dysfunctional relationship relationship that we have with God as a Christian if we're living to earn his love. Can you say amen? We're not living to earn his love. We can't earn his love. We can't get any more of his love than we have now. He loves us. We can live to be pleasing. We can live to walk out his purposes. We can live a life of gratitude that says, I, I want to extravagantly obey you because of how good you are and how much your love has changed my life. But it's not to be that we're trying to earn love. 
How many would recognize sometimes that's tricky because we live in a world around us that oftentimes shouts at us that we have to earn love from others. That love is conditional. And so God shows us, no, that's not the case with him. His love is unconditional. So we have this union that comes through Christ. Let's let's relate communion to it now. Because we are united to Christ, we are able to enjoy communion. So the union with Christ never changes, but our experience of communion can grow and it can diminish. Union establishes the relationship. Communion is now the mutual relating, communicating, experiencing that happens within the relationship. Here's kind of an earthly picture, you know, for, for uh, a, a marriage setting. A neglectful husband may still be united to his wife in marriage, but that doesn't mean the marriage relationship is healthy. The legal union doesn't mean that life-giving communion is taking place. Can you say amen? So they're different from each other. So as we talk about communion today and we talk about it in light of hearing from God, hopefully it's starting to make a little more sense why, why this relates vitally to this topic. The more we choose to live in communication with him, the more we're hearing from him, interacting with him, uh, and, and, and the relationship, the hearing that happens in relationship uh, gets worked out in our lives. So, so with these thoughts, let's now look at some very practical suggestions questions on how to grow our communion with God. So first, uh, in a lot of these we've kind of poked into a little bit on the series so far, but again, we're going to look at this in light of unbroken communion, growing fellowship and relationship with the Lord. So you tracking with me so far? Amen? All right. So number one uh, suggestion is to prioritize and to hunger for the Word. The Bible, the Word of God. Uh, again, um, we, we spoke in you know, entire segments of this series on the Word of God. But here's the thing. When we meditate on the Bible, we discover the truth about our God and what it means to be in relationship with Him. So Joshua 1.8 tells us, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Psalm 1, verse 2, uh, also shares, it says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So, hey, we hear that word meditate. You know, in our American culture, the Eastern idea of meditation oftentimes uh, is, is the context that people will have. And Eastern meditation uh, kind of has this idea of, you, you know, you, like you empty yourself and, and things like that. The, the biblical picture of meditate is to, to chew on, to mutter throughout the day. How many, of, how many of you beside me mutter throughout the day? You talk to yourself. You just kind of, you know, sit, right? Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, sometimes I'm talking to the Lord, his word. Sometimes I'm talking to myself. Come on. How many grab yourself by the ear during the day and say, no, nope, no, nope, we're not going to, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to get in the flesh. I forgive that person. I love them in Jesus. You know, whatever it is, you know, we, we, we walk through, we're meditating on God's word, his ways, his precepts. And hey, when are we supposed to do this? Well, it tells us day and night. But notice here in each of the settings, 
particularly we see it in, in Psalm 1-2. It's not a chore. It's not a religious duty or obligation. Again, it's our delight. And I know we've talked about this in some of the past weeks, but again, in the context of communion, man, when we delight in his word, and, and not only are we ingesting his word so that we know what it says, but now we're meditating on it, we're thinking on it, we're chewing it over, muttering it on our lips. Wow, we're, we're, we're doing so much to foster communion with the Lord throughout the day. Uh, a second way we can grow our communion, again, real simple, but very, very significant, is through prayer. And, you know, we can have refuge with God in prayer. Sometimes folks will turn to prayer only after the heat gets turned up to a certain point or after the squeeze gets just enough to where it's uncomfortable enough to where the person, you know, will say, okay, now I'll pray. And, you know, God doesn't want it to be that way. He wants prayer to be part of the lifestyle. And, and prayer isn't just asking requests. Prayer is worship. Prayer is praise. Prayer is thanksgiving. Prayer is uh, interceding for others, declaring the promises of God. There's all different things that we can do uh, for prayer. But, you know, if, if we only pray when the heat gets turned on, we're going to have a bit of a disjointed communion relationship with the Lord. You know, but if we learn prayer as a lifestyle, then when the heat is on, then we're already uh, aware that God is in the trenches with us when things are getting tough, right? And then we just walk it through with him, and then the communion is all the sweeter. Uh, a third area where we can grow our communion is to cultivate the things that are healthy in relationships. Cultivate the marks of strong relationships, so, you know, we're, we're thinking about things like care. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just having care in, in regard to the Lord. You know, as a spiritual uh, infant, you know, spiritually speaking, uh, many times we come to the Lord because we have great need or because we're aware of our great need of salvation. Uh, and and a, it can be heavy on, here's what God is doing for me. But then somewhere as we mature and we grow up spiritually, we start to say, I, I, really, I really care about what matters to God. I, I really care about his heart. I want to know what he's thinking. I want to know what he's up to. I want to know his agenda, right? And come on, isn't it so sweet when you're having a conversation with somebody and they take an interest in something that matters to you? Doesn't it just breathe life to you? You know, when somebody's just, you know, oh, tell me more about that. Or, wow, I see you're really passionate about this. And, you know, or they come back afterward. Hey, how's that going? And, you know, what matter to you matters to them. You know, th that's what we're talking about, cultivating these marks of a strong relationship, but doing it in our relationship with the Lord. Attentiveness to his voice. Uh, actually making time to be with him. You know, uh, kind of uninterrupted time. Multitasking is great. Singing to the Lord in, in the shower, you know, talking to him on the commute, uh, you, you know, worshiping while we're pushing the lawnmower. All those things are great. But how many other relationships, how healthy would they be if the only attention we gave to the other person was, uh, you know, hey, honey, listen, um, I'm going to go cut the lawn. Why don't you walk alongside me and we'll have a conversation. And after that, I'll see you when I'm changing the oil. Awesome. Right? Right? So it's, it, that's going to get old quick. Right? So all all those things are good and they are part of the communion with the Lord throughout the day, but there ought to be some aspect of our relationship with him where we're saying, Lord, this is just time for me to be with you, you know? And hey, that's part of what we do on a Sunday morning, right? We come to just worship him, to be with him, to, to lift him up. Uh, but these things we're talking about, 
they're, they're the side of relationship with God that we could call fellowship. Isn't it awesome that the creator of the universe wants to fellowship with us? 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, let's go to number four, uh, growing our communion, a supreme love for God. So not just love for God, but supreme love for God. And the greatest command in Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Uh, Matthew 10.37 says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And of course, when we look at this in the context of other Scriptures, the Lord wants us to, to love our, our spouses. He, he wants us to love our kids. Uh, what, what the Lord is saying is that our love for him needs to be so much stronger than that. And because he's the creator and because he created us to know him, we will be the best lover of other people when we do love God first and foremost. Right? Amen? I mean, think about it. There's a couple of different words for love in, in Greek. When we read it in English in our New Testament, we see love. Uh, it could be the word, you know, Philadelphia. That, that, that comes from the Greek word. Philadelphia means city of brotherly love. So there's the brotherly love. Agape. That is the God kind of love. That's specifically how that's defined. It, if we want to know what the God kind of love is like, that's all laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not easily affected. It keeps no record of wrongs. It believes the best. It hopes. And it says, when it says love never fails, that's the love that never fails. The agape of God. So doesn't it make sense if we keep supreme love for him and he's living inside by his spirit, now the agape of God is flowing out of us. And now that agape is affecting all of our relationships, all the friendships, all the family relationships that we have around us, even, even our attitude toward people who are not being nice to us. You know, the agape of God totally alters and impacts how we relate to others. So as we walk in that, our communion with the Lord uh, is just going to continue to increase. So the next one we can look at kind of unpacks the idea of loving him supremely a little further. So we're looking at a fifth way that we can grow in our communion, and it's obedience. And that ties right into supreme love because Jesus tells us here in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you keep my commands. So, right, there's all kinds of definitions. Well, how do you know that somebody loves somebody else? How do you know what love for God looks like? The Lord tells us, he says to us, love for me means obeying my commands. He even goes on John 14, verse 21, a little further down in the chapter. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So obedience is a demonstration of our love. So it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's not words, you know, it's, it's obedience. Uh, our communion with Christ can be impeded by our disobedience. Our communion with Christ can be impeded by allowing sin unchecked, unrepented of in our lives. In 1 John 1 verse 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So that kind of lays it out pretty straightforward. And, you know, the Bible, you know, does tell us we can get into deception. You know, it's very easy for us to, uh, you know, lie to ourselves. 
You, you know, so as we walk in communion with him, we'll stay sensitive to his voice. He'll be letting us know, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in darkness? Walking in the, in the light versus darkness is, am I walking in obedience to everything I know that God has commanded? Amen? All right, number six. Love and service to others. That's another way that we can grow in our communion. Now, I don't want you to underestimate this one because this is tremendously powerful. When we make a decision to love others and to serve others, hear me, as unto him, there's a great communion that takes place. Now, let let me even take this a step further. Have you ever had a situation where it's a challenge to love? You know, you could say, hey, I can think of a handful of people. It is my pleasure to serve and love them. Come on, wave at me if you say, I know some people, it's a pleasure. How many have, you know, you can raise your hand again and say, there's others, I'll just say, it's not exactly a pleasure to love and serve. Okay, all right, good. So, so in, we, we both understand on both sides. When we have those circumstances, notice the Lord didn't say, do it when it's a pleasure right? We, we know in the word we're to love and serve others. We're to do it sacrificially. Here's the key to seeing communion increase and seeing the power of God manifest is when it's tough, when it's challenging, when we don't want to do it, do it as worship unto him. And it will release God's power into that person's life and it will grow our communion with him. Isn't that cool? So, so you, you know, maybe it's a work setting and you just got a, a person you're working with and you're just saying, this is so challenging, you know, to be loving and serving, you know, toward them. Wait a minute, I'm going to make this worship to God. Now, first of all, you're not tied to what they do or they don't do, number one. But number two, you're actually drawing closer to the Lord because you're making this about your love to God. And and how many know, sometimes the greatest way that we can grow in relationship to another is is in not in what they're doing for us, but in what we're doing for them. Amen? Right? There's greater investment that we're making. All right. And then a seventh thing we'll look at uh, now kind of ties out of this. I was leaning into this idea of what happens when it's challenging, you know, because we love the promises of God, don't we? You know, we love the fact that God promises all of these great things. He promises victory. We have eternal life. He's, he's the God of hope and healing and breakthrough and deliverance and, and all these wonderful things. And Jesus, you know, talks about, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Paul talks about in Jesus, his resurrection power and how <clears throat> awesome it is for us to know his resurrection power. But how many know in that same portion of scripture, he also talks about something else. He talks about fellowship with his sufferings. So we, we can't have one without the other. And if we, if we invite into our lives a brand of Christianity that says, I want to do this as pain-free as possible, as bump-free as possible, first of all, how many know that that's, that's not what the Bible says? That, that The Bible says that we will have victory, but it doesn't say there won't be any bumps along the way. But if we look at how can I just make it smooth and how can we avoid the trouble stuff, and hey, if I'm a good boy or a good girl for Jesus, Jesus, uh, garbage won't come my way. You, you know, th- that's, that's a dangerous place to live because the Lord never said that there, there wouldn't be trials and tests and storms. What he did say is that we can have such good cheer because he has overcome all of it. And because he's overcome all of it, we overcome all of it. If we'll walk in communion with him. Amen. 
So that's great news. The whole point I'm getting at, how many know what I'm talking about? We can get into this place where we just want to, hey, the sun is shining. I like when the sun's out. I don't want to hear the storm is coming. You know, but, but if we instead say, you know, I'm not going to be worried about what the weather is. I'm not going to be worried about the circumstance that I'm going through. What I'm going to do is walk with him every day and know that I walk with the one who is greater. And in that, I can't lose. And in that, we get to know him more and more, right? Circling back to, because at the end of the day, this isn't our religious belief. This is relationship, the most important relationship that we could ever have, the relationship with God. He wants to know us and draw us close. So, so a few thoughts on persecution. John 15, 18, every authentic believer will face suffering and persecution because of Christ, that's not one we want to pull out of the promise box in the morning, right? You know, let's see God's promise today. You will face persecution. Oh, let's put that in the back. Let's pull out. He will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I like that one better, right? He goes on, he says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And then 1 Peter 4.12 takes it even further. Dear friends, don't be surprised He doesn't say at the bump. He says at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So realize that when the test comes, the other side of it, God is looking for promotion in your life. The test comes so that you can be promoted in him. Well, what does that look like? It, it, it could look like greater authority. It could look like a move into the next step he has in your calling. But one thing I will tell you for sure, it will look like you looking more like Jesus. There is something that happens in us that doesn't come any other way than when the refining fire is turned up. It burns away the junk. It burns the garbage out of our lives. Now, we do need to be mindful when the storm, when the trial comes, the enemy wants it to be an opportunity to backslide. The enemy wants it to be an opportunity to get mad at God, to get fearful, to get distracted, to get off track. God's agenda is always promotion on the other side. And there's something, hey, can we just by a show of hands, have you been through a tough time with somebody that you're doing life with and you're closer on the other side of the tough time? Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Something precious happens when we go through stuff and when we go through stuff, walking it out with the Lord right? And this is why it's so important. Being in communion with him means we don't get blindsided when the storm comes. We'll be already walking in communion with him. All right. So now we're, we're, we're coming in for a landing here uh, on communion. We're going to tie this in now. So then in what we celebrate, feel free to open this up and get ready. The little top part opens up to get the bread out. What we want to do is reflect for a moment. Let's go back to where we started the message. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, we have been made right with God. Oh, yeah, thank you. Sorry, if there's anybody that's in the room that didn't get communion, raise your hand and an usher will find you and make sure you get it. All right. So we, we recognize from the blood that was shed on the cross, complete and total deliverance from sin and all that would chain us and bind us, the breaking of his body so that we could be whole. So that, that's, th- those are the precious truths that Jesus said, always do this in remembrance of me. When you do this, this little symbolic act, the bread and the cup, remember this. 
until the Lord comes back, right? We know he's coming back again. For us this morning, as we prepare to thank him in that, let's talk about communion on a bigger scale. Let's take this in light of our day-to-day. What does it look like in our lives, in our communion with him? And I just want to give a couple of thoughts. If, if you're not yet walking in some degree of ongoing communion with the Lord, what is one next thing, just one next thing that needs to happen to have greater communion with him? You know, for me, you know what a game changer in my communion with him was? Uh, having a quiet time every morning. And for me, my quiet time would be sitting at the kitchen table or at my desk with a cup of those beans that he created that we grind and run water through and heat up. Hallelujah. Thanking him for that. Just some time alone with him. Others, it might be quiet time outside alone with a walk. Some maybe like going to the beach, you know, walk through the, you know, trees, whatever. Um, maybe for some, a game changer is, all right, Lord, I'm starting to, I'm going to give you undivided attention every day. I'm going to try to carve that into my day just to be with you, to, to worship, to, to get into your word so I can now carry it with me into the rest of the day. And then, and then the other thought I, I really, really felt prompted this morning to, to make sure that we, we looked at, is there anything, if we were to be honest, is there anything in our lives that we would say, okay, this is not something that God calls sin. You know, it's something that's like technically okay. It's not black and white in chapter and verse. This is a sin. But when I look at its effect in my life, it competes with him. There are people who, when they play golf, They worship God, they're talking to God, they're with fellowship with other people, and they're enjoying golf, but God's first. There are other people who they have let golf usurp the Lord, and golf is a bigger love, and it competes with him, right? That's just one simple example. There could be all these different things we could look at and say, all right, are are these other voices competing with God's love and my walk with him being first and foremost in my life? So, so those are two areas as we get ready to take communion. And I'm just going to pause maybe 30 seconds just for us to listen and ask the Lord, is there anything that needs to be cleaned out? Maybe it's not even something that God is saying, I want out permanently. Maybe he's saying, this got out of balance. Put that down. Press into me. Take this 40 days of hearing time. Let my love and, and, and our relationship, let it get back to its right place. And then you can reestablish some other things back in. Or maybe it is that what I started with there on, you know, yeah, I'm going to get a regular time with the Lord, seek his face just to be with him. So let's just pause and, and let's just listen for God's voice and then I'll pray and we'll, we'll take our communion. Hallelujah. Father, as we prepare to close this service here with our communion in hand, we are so grateful once again for the great price that Jesus paid so that we could be saved, so that we could be free, so that we could be in fellowship with you, so that we could enjoy communion with you. Lord, as we prepare to take this here today, it's our desire to, in a greater way, live in communion with you. So Lord, as you've spoken to hearts here It's our commitment to obey and listen to your voice, walk out what you're commanding. And Lord, if there's some seeking that has to go on beyond here, Lord, we say that we're committed to seek you, uh, to see greater communion in the way we live. So we ask this in Jesus' name as we take communion and we thank you. Amen.